This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek Podcast. Today, we don't have a guest. We're not reviewing an episode. We are just doing the news, so it'll be a little shorter than you're used to, but we've got lots to talk about. We begin with a very, very sad news that I think everybody out there knows already, which is that Nichelle Nichols, who played Lieutenant Uhura in the original series and in movies, uh, died this past week. It both surprised me and didn't surprise me. You know, because she's been ailing for years. She had a stroke in 2015, but it still like shocked me when it happened on Sunday, you know, and everyone started, you know, saying, oh, my God, Nichelle Nichols. It's amazing how quickly the news went around the world, not just the Star Trek I was going to say, like, not just Star Trek fans. Yeah, like it spread like crazy. I mean, I it's interesting. Like I was actually getting texts from all of my friends with their condolences to me. Um but it's just something that like she she affected so many people that it's not just Star Trek fans. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking back to when Leonard Nimoy passed away in 2015. And I, I mean, I don't know. It just it almost feels like there was a bigger response for some reason to the passing of Nichelle Nichols, which was a bit of a surprise, even though he because he's so iconic. I mean, that that was a big deal, too, around the world. I mean, we've oh, yeah. written. And, you know, we've done three articles on this so far, you know, uh, two of which were about kind of the outpouring of love and affection and tributes coming not just from the Star Trek community, which has been basically everyone. But, you know, the I mean, the White House issued a statement. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is, you know, unusual. Obama issued a statement from his foundation. I feel like we'll get something personal from him sooner or later. Because they did meet, she was in the White House when he was the president, and he's such a big Star Trek fan. Yeah, he screened Star Trek movies at the White House and has talked about it. You know, And, and there were other politicians, Stacey Abrams, who's now a Star Trek yeah. guest star, um, and others, all, you know, so many of them talking about what she meant to black people and women. And scientists, because of her work with NASA. It's like that, that Martin Luther King story that gets brought up every single time her name comes up still the reason it still has such significance is because he was so right which is how important her presence was and the effect that that had on people but then you get all these personal stories that are really beautiful too about how she talked to people and dealt with people and inspired them you know being who i am i hear a lot of things about a lot of people off the record etc <laughs> And um, I've never heard a bad thing said about Michelle Nichols. Only lovely things. I've met her a few times. There was definitely a change after the stroke in 2015, for sure. And the last time I saw her was maybe a couple years ago at Comic-Con. You know, you could tell that I could tell the difference every year. I had saw her every year for a few years in a row. And you could just you could see it because you know, she was suffering from dementia. And um, it, it was a challenge for her and now that struggle is over yes but you know when i met her every time even in the last few years she was she would light up and was lovely around fans and was just so nice and you know she really did impact so many people and had this amazing career in and out of star trek so and and some of the stuff that um happened in the last few days was really cool like uh, Sully Rose Gooding did a guest article for The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, that was really good. I've also, people have been posting billboards have gone up in different cities. God, this is amazing. Yeah. 
No, it's a, I saw at least pictures of maybe two different ones in two different cities. So, and everybody wants to talk about it. And, and George Takei, I mean, we rounded up. We have two different posts that are tributes from different people who knew her or were affected by her. George Takei is still um, posting. And he just posted a fantastic picture from his wedding to Brad that she was in. So I feel like he's going to keep it going. I feel like he's got a lot to talk about. So keep your eye on his Twitter feed for sure, folks. If I remember correctly, she was his best person. Yes. Yep. At the wedding. Uh, yeah, they were all together there. And Walter was there. You know, and all the living co-stars had, you know, Walter posted something. Shatner posted something. And it was nice. It was you eloquent. <laughs> yes. You know, but even, you know, Patrick Stewart, who I, I don't know if he even ever met her, but he had nice things to say about her. A lot of these stars knew her through the convention circuit. And, right. You know, like people like Garrett you know wong and all you know everyone else it's how they all know each other too i mean to some degree exactly but you you know you just get these nice stories of people who did actually meet her you know kirk thatcher you know who's the punk right. on the bus talked about you know what she meant to him personally those are the things that i really loved reading about are these just little fun stories of how she touched people's lives in different ways and also you know we've talked about the documentary woman in motion which is on paramount plus if people want to watch it um but i feel like it's also reminding people you know a lot of people are talking about her work with nasa and again spreading that word and people aren't necessarily aware non-star trek fans aren't necessarily aware of the impact that she had and how important that work was so i'm hoping that more people are going to watch that documentary now and that they will understand the scope of her legacy, which is which is pretty huge. Yeah, it's a great documentary. NASA issued a statement, as did other various space agencies and space, you know, professionals like Mae Jemison, who's the first black woman in space and knew Nichelle very well. Earlier this year, before she passed away, NASA put out this great video tribute to her. Yeah, it's it is it goes beyond Star Trek for sure. I you know in a way, but. It's great that she kind of, you know, the character lives on now, you know, Zoe Saldana and uh, Celia Rose Gooding are both playing her uh, Zoe again, in theory, soon enough. And Zoe did right. have a statement of her own. It, kind of a weird coincidence um, happened in that Sonequa Martin-Green, she's now the spokesperson for this STEM project to send girls to space camp. Yeah. She was interviewed after the death and talked about how she's standing on Nichelle's shoulders. And, you know, it's kind of similar to what Nichelle did for NASA. She's and on a smaller scale, but it's the same kind of thing, basically. Um, and I think that's great. I don't know what, what Frito-Lay is somehow involved in this thing. Yeah, somehow it's a Frito-Lay thing. But I, I, I see it as passing the torch in a really beautiful and meaningful way. So that's really that was nice to read about. And uh, Whoopi, of course, spent some time on The View talking about this. And she's often talked about how important the show was to her in general. And it, you know, it led to her getting onto Star Trek and yeah, and Picard. Yeah. So, you know, even though it's really sad news, I, it is joyful to see all of these tributes and and to celebrate her accomplishments. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. that's that's the best way to think about it. I mean, it's it's very sad news. But there's so much to celebrate about who she was and the things that she did, as well as like there's what she represented and what she actually did. And they all matter. 
So let's switch to Star Trek Picard, season three. Our friend Terry Metalis just can't stop talking about the show. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, so we put together a combination of all the things he's, not all the things, but a lot of what he said since the big Since Comic-Con. the last time we talked about all the things that he said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how much we got into this in the last pod, but we were talking about how there's an Enterprise in season three. And that was a a little bit of a confusion, possibly, with Patrick Stewart on stage. So Terry seems to be indicating that or hinting in a big way that the Enterprise, that there is an Enterprise in the season and it's the Enterprise F. But which we've never seen. Right. So it's a new Enterprise. But he had to clarify that's not it's not going to be where the whole season takes place. It's not they're all on this new Enterprise having adventures. And that's the show. That is a new ship with, I believe they've said a significant name or an important name. That's not the Enterprise. It's not the Stargazer. Jonathan Frakes actually kind of in the season two Lower Decks commentary said something about the Titan. And then it was after that, it got um, bleeped out, essentially. So They wiped his memory. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's possible it's the Titan, but the, the, whatever they they turn the Stargazer into something else, which we've already discussed, and that's been clear, is that there is a big ship it, where they used all those sets. So that's not the Enterprise. It's something else, but we will see an Enterprise. Or, you know, so that's exciting. Yes. Someone else was asking about rank and which we talked a little bit about this last week, like people's rank and uniforms and what's going on. And someone said, Worf has four pips, so he's a captain. And Terry said in rank only and not what you expect. Who knows what that means, but it sounds like he's it, it feels like he's not in command of a ship. And and we definitely Worf was given command of the Enterprise E after Picard became an admiral in the Picard tie-in book, which yep. is supposed to be more canon than, you know, usual books because they are directly tied into the show and Kirsten Byer is involved. But you know, Terry's made it clear this is a long time after that, and we do not meet him as captain of the Enterprise. So he says that we don't meet Worf as the Enterprise captain because his story has something to do with the Dominion War which is going the fallout from the Dominion War is going to be part of season three, part of the storyline. Yeah, I I like that. You know, I mean, I was a big fan of the Dominion War and that whole arc. And we didn't really get enough of how that impacted the Next Generation crew at all, uh, because, you know, they were in the movies at that time. Insurrection kind of touched on it a little bit, but not really enough to give us a sense of, what Picard and the Enterprise's role was during the Dominion War. So hopefully we'll learn more about that. We know Worf was heavily involved in the Dominion War, of course. But hopefully... Yeah, and look, I don't love war storylines, but I like post-war fallout storylines. So that's fine with me. (laughs) Well, and it has such galactic repercussions, the the Dominion War and and the aftermath of the Dominion War and what it meant to the Cardassians and... You know, everything. So, uh, I, you know, I, I feel like we're going to they're going to fill in a lot of blanks, hopefully, in, you know, what happened between the end of Deep Space Nine and the beginning of Picard, essentially, it's, it's, which is over 20 years of uh, time there. Also, people asked about 
you know, why are some characters in uniform? Why are some not? And he said, it'll all make sense. And, and then he said this cryptic thing, which is maybe some here are in uniform and shouldn't be question mark. Yeah. That, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Cryptic's I mean, it's good word for that. <laughs> I mean, that could mean either, you know, the promotional people decided to do something that isn't part of the season, or maybe someone's a spy or something. Who knows? So I, I um, maybe that has something to do with the fact that Rafi isn't in uniform, but she is in Starfleet. Who knows? He did talk a little bit more about the actress who's playing a new character. It's very clear the villain is a new character. Because even though he said this before, like people forget, right? Because as soon as they said in the panel, oh, it's a female character, it's like, oh, it's Sila, you know, right. or, you know, or the board queen, or, you know, and, and he's like, no, it's a, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's a new character and it's a new actress to Star Trek, but it's someone who's familiar, but not a big, big name. So I think last week we were saying maybe they brought in a huge celebrity and it's, it's someone that you'll look at and you go, oh, I know who that is, but you won't go, oh, my God, they got, you know, an Academy Award winner or something. So it's not right. like that, that kind of thing. Meryl Streep will not be playing the villain on Star Trek Picard. No, no. He also said that there will be members of his, or maybe at least one person from the cast of 12 Monkeys. And he's had some 12 Monkeys people in before because that was his previous show was 12 Monkeys. So, you know, if you put those together, maybe the villain is played by someone from 12 Monkeys, like Emily Hampshire or someone like that. So, but he he didn't connect those two dots. I'm connecting those two dots. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he meant it was someone who still is a more familiar actress and I don't know who Emily Hampshire is because I didn't watch 12 Monkeys. So I might be more familiar name than that. Did you watch Shit's Creek? Yes. She runs the motel. Oh. So that's my saying. It's like, oh, I know who she is. You right. may not know her name. She's Stevie on Shit's Creek? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love her. Okay. She can be on. I'm in. Right. And she's <laughs> like main character of 12 Buggies, essentially. Oh, one, I had no one idea. Yeah. It's, it's such a good show, if you, especially if you're into time travel. Yeah, I feel like I would like it. There's another bit of Picard season three news, which has to do with the score. Uh, Terry posted a video saying that they're doing a, it's a musical homage to Jerry Goldsmith with an 80 piece orchestra as they're working on the score. Um, it's a clip definitely worth watching and listening to. Yeah, I mean, you definitely get the Goldsmith vibe. He's, you know, and he's also on Twitter made it clear there's going to be lots of Goldsmith in season three, including homages to the motion picture slash next generation theme, which are the same thing. Right. Uh, and he he's also announced that there's a new composer for the season, a guy named Stephen Barton, who was his composer on 12 Monkeys. Um, he also composed the game Jedi Fallen Order, which is a good video game for you gamers out there. And there's another guy named Freddie Weedman who is helping with the music as well. He didn't mention Jeff Russo, who has worked on Picard for the first two seasons doing the themes and the and all the music. So we don't know if he's still involved or not, but I mean, he's not the main composer. The main composer is for sure Stephen Barton. Terry's old pal. I mean, and this is all just shows how season three is Terry's season. He has just taken over and it's a whole new thing. 
He's got a new composer. He's got a new cast for the most part, which is an old cast, if you think about it. Yeah, a new old, just like old new, a new old cast. Yeah. And they've talked about how Picard is an anthology series in a way in that each season is very much its own thing. We will have a lot more to talk about next week about Picard and season three with our very special guest, the aforementioned Terry Vitalis, who will be here on All Access Star Trek for his first visit. One of many, I hope. Yes. Okay, so there's just a little bit more news um, from Strange New Worlds. At Comic-Con, in in addition to doing the panel, they basically run all of these guys through major media outlets like Entertainment Weekly and IMDb. But they do it in a fun way, like they put them on a boat. (laughs) They do all these cool, fun things. Because it's Comic-Con, the vibe is different. So it's not so much just uh, locking them in a room with microphones. Yeah. looks like they've been having some fun and they've had a lot to say, like some stuff that didn't quite get into the panel because people obviously ask questions and then they get to get into a little more detail. What what popped the most to you? Well, I mean, a lot of this was clarifying things. The Lower Decks crossover is definitely going to be a mix of live action and animation, but almost entirely live action. Um, right. But there's some animation. But the like Anson Mount was saying when he first got the script, he was confused. He thought it was going to be like Roger Rabbit, you know, where there are <laughs> animated characters standing next to live action characters. And it isn't that. So it sounds like they he's going to get animated, you know, but for the most part, it's just Tawny and Jack. Um, I, Celia talked about how so it sounds like Tawny and Jack are going to be dealing with everyone because everyone was talking about what it was like for them on set. And Celia, I think they allowed everyone to be a little freer because, of course, Jack and Tani are improvisers and comedians and they were having a lot of fun. And those aren't necessarily part of what happens on the set of Strange New Worlds, but they were given a little more freedom. Obviously, this is going to be a fun episode, a comedy episode. Oh, yeah. You know, so I think that the, you know, everyone's going to let their hair down, as it were, for this one. It's so funny when you think of the history of, let's say, 90s era Trek, where if they wanted to change the slightest thing, they had to call, you know, on the phone, the writer's office, and it would take like 20 minutes to get it. Like, can I say, go over here instead of I'm going over here? <laughs> They'd be like, uh, you have to call the writer. So all of a sudden they're on set and they're riffing and having fun and playing. And she said, Celia said, we had permission to show up to work in a way that we haven't before and that she felt comfortable riffing. So I think it's it's a good co- contrast to what used to go on. Uh, it sounds really fun. Now, Anson talked a little bit more about the, you know, he's talked about swinging, you know, big swings for the season. He says that in every interview. I love him. But he says big swings every single time. But he says specifically that they're going to push more boundaries in how many different kinds of genres. So it's like there's gonna they're gonna take on some new genres in the new season that they didn't in season one. With different directors, like different kinds of directors too. Yeah, you know, you start wondering like what are they gonna do? Because directors, you know, are it's, and we saw this in the first season, and Frakes has talked about this as well that they're encouraged to have their own style 
because right. you know when and Frank said like when you go on to Discovery, there's a style and everyone uses it. You're supposed to fit in because it's well, highly because serialized. It's, yeah, because it's serialized. Makes sense. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that, seeing what Frakes does when he is given that kind of freedom. That'll be fun. There's more of Mount talking about how Pike is a new Pike in season two. Um, he uses he says Pike has a joie de vivre in season two. I'm not sure what that means, but it, you know I think we're going to get fun Pike, I guess. I mean, not that he wasn't fun in season one, but he's just th- through the looking glass. No more moping around wondering about how he's going to die you know it's going to kind of reverse and he's just going to accept it and you know he's going to love life because this is all he's got left yeah i'm all for that i just i did feel like there were times in season one where he almost like didn't he didn't command i hate to say as much as i would have liked to have seen him command well this is actually it isn't in the article, but I think you're not going to like this because he says what Pike's superpower is and how he's different than other captains is he's willing to say, I don't know, and to ask for advice from his crew and look to them to feed him ideas like that's his... but that was Picard's MO like Picard was like that, too. That was a big uh, yeah. quality of his that I have emulated in my own life, like. When I'm smart and I think about it, I try to do the Picard thing and recognize that the people have, I mean, Picard recognized his crew has experience, they're experts. So that's why he gathers all their information and wants their suggestions. So, but then it's the captain's job to listen to all the suggestions and decide on the course of action, which I thought he did well in the first few episodes, like La'an would suggest something and Spock would suggest something and Pike would immediately decide which one was the right one to do. Or take a spin on it as it were, you know, where he would take what they say and say, well, actually we should, you know, do this with that. So. Right. And I, I felt like that diminished a little bit over the course of the season, but hopefully they'll get him back on track. Now, more and more, it looks like Paul Wesley is a major part of season two in all yeah. of these interviews and the way they talk about him having an arc in season two. I mean, you don't get an arc unless you're in multiple episodes as Kirk. And he seems defense he he's defensive about the season finale i think he, i think he gets <laughs> yeah. the well, yeah you know he in one interview he says what you saw in the season finale is not applicable to season two he's like it just well, isn't it hasn't happened right but he's kind of just wants in every interview he's like just forget basically forget what you saw <laughs> you know it's season two it's season one I'm a whole different thing in season two and I'm having a lot more fun. And it's what he calls the pre Kirk. And he uses the phrase, you know, it's before he is Shatner esque because he's going out of his way not to be Shatner esque. You know, he, he says he, the, his Kirk doesn't have that formidable Shatner esque quality yet. I don't know. I'm just more open because everything he says about Kirk is right. I think he gets the character. And that's true. Like, I didn't feel that way in his portrayal but i did feel that way when i saw his interviews and the qualities that he described of kirk's are the ones that i feel strongly are who kirk is and who and a lot of qualities that a lot of other people miss in their summary of who kirk is we talked about this last week i think now um both he and ethan peck tease that there's going to be more to 
the growing Kirk and Spock relationship, or, you know, actually it would be starting. And, and he makes that clear. Like in season two, he meets Spock for the first time. He meets Pike for the first time. Again, forget what you saw in the finale that not only is that the future, it's an alternate future. So he's building relationships with all these people, including Spock. And Ethan Peck says that they go deeper into it. So we're getting the beginnings of the eternal friendship of Kirk and Spock, one of the greatest relationships in all of fiction, essentially. So good luck with that, getting that right. <laughs> I know. No pressure, guys. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Wait till they bring in McCoy. <laughs> I mean, the actors have some good chemistry. So, you know, at least there's that. You know, Ethan Peck says that it's been a blast working together with Paul Wesley. You know, there's definitely something there. And we're getting more of this sense that there's a connection between La'an's character and Kirk. They definitely have chemistry. I'm not saying like sexual. I just mean the actors seem to have a lot of good time together. And they definitely work a lot together the way they talk about season two. Those two. Yep. Christina Chong did not want to really get too specific because the the obvious question is is she back on the enterprise at the start of the season i think the answer to that is actually no uh, she said she's you know there's still more to her finding a home for the child that you know because she left the ship in episode nine to find the parents of the Gorn girl, the girl who was captured by the Gorn. She kind of jokes about. She was joking, saying that he's hard to work with, that Paul Wesley is hard to work with, just meaning that he makes her laugh and they have too much fun. It's it's I'm guessing that maybe she's on the Farragut, but then moves back to the Enterprise. I'm not sure, but there's something there. Yeah, she said that she will that her character will see Kirk and Pike at different times and in different places in space. <laughs> she was trying to be vague. She's like, I'm yes. not going to tell you where I start and with with which captain is right. basically what she was. It was kind of a joke, I think. But I um, will be in space. She wanted everybody to know she'll be in space. Yes. <laughs> Sally Rose Gooding talked um, a lot about how Uhura is still dealing with loss, the loss of Hammer, which affected her in a big way, and the loss of her family which I know it doesn't sound cheerful and fun, but I find those kinds of stories pretty interesting, pretty compelling. Grief interests me. Sorry. I know that's gloomy. She's quite the thoughtful actress, that's for sure, and takes Star Trek very seriously, which you could tell from the column she just wrote for The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week of Ethan Peck at the panel said that Spock is exploring his human side, and we kind of guessed how that's going to lead to him breaking up or at least getting estranged from to But then he, but he said exploring his human side is going to lead to quote, funny hijinks. And he said, he's excited about bringing this comic element, you know, comedic element to Spock. So, you know, I guess we're going to get more just Spock getting himself into funny situations because he's exploring his human side. We'll see how Twitter reacts. Twitter's going to go crazy. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. You think... know, I'm thinking about like, you know, when data tries to explore elements of human interaction and does, does it badly. And I'm wondering, is that, is that what we're going to get into of Spock trying this and that and not doing it very well, perhaps? Yeah, I don't, I hope that's not the direction that they're 
going into because he is half human and he's not an android. So <laughs> I would imagine that these, it wouldn't be such a foreign mystery to him, some of these things, but we'll see. I do feel like the way that Peck talks about these things, you know, and it, for a while he seemed very unsure of where he was going as the character. And I think he is much clearer on that now and feels better about it. Yeah. Now that he has a couple seasons of experience and his time on discovery, I mean, he's played the character for 20, how many episodes did he do discovery, but like roughly 25 episodes, right? Yeah, more or less. I mean, I think he's been doing a stellar job on strange new worlds. So I look forward to more of the same. Now, we didn't learn anything about when we're going to expect the season. I'm still guessing a year after season one, probably May 2023, but we don't know yet. Nope. Just like Picard, we're guessing is going to be a year after season two. So February 2023, which I think Brent Spiner suggested as well. And Gates, I think, said it somewhere too. Okay. Well, that's sounding more and more like a thing. It sounds like they weren't told officially, but they were sort someone probably said, oh, I think it'll be. February. So that's what yeah. they're saying, even though they all say, we don't know. I mean, they're recording the music now. That is one of the last things you do. Right. They'll probably be done by the fall because Paramount Plus has a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, it, it makes sense for them not to, ha- you know, t- to debut two seasons in the same year, to be honest. So even if they have it ready and fans are like, why don't you just release it now? Uh, I get why they'd wait until next year. Yep, and they've got other shows. Plenty of other shows. So much Star Trek out there. So that's it for the news of the week. Let's just move on to our bits of the week, which are going to be themed around the late, great Nichelle Nichols. Why don't you start, Tony? Mine's kind of fun in that National Air and Space Museum put out this video this week from a film that Nichelle Nichols made in the 80s called What's in it for me? And it's one of the things she made when she was working with NASA to help invite people of color and women into the space program. There's a link to it in the show notes. You've just got to watch it because she's playing Uhura, walking around the museum, guiding this little girl looking, but she's it's in character in her motion picture uniform. And, uh, and she sings a song to the little girl, which I think Aww. it would, you know, it's, it's just, it's so sweet and so nice. And, uh, it's just, it's a wonderful little gift from the 1980s. Yeah. It's a real gem. I also would love to track down that kid to yes. find out what that shoot day was like. It's just, okay. Lieutenant Uhura, like it's so cute and good. <laughs> so Lori, what is your bit of the week about Michelle? So mine is from the Television Academy, which does, we've talked about Rick Berman's interviews with them. They do all these wonderful interviews with people just to sort of, for the the legacy, to get the history of what, of these actors, performers, directors, producers. So they had this great one with Nichelle Nichols that was done in 2010. And there's so much in there that you can just go and watch the whole thing. But the thing that struck me the most was a a very in-depth description of what went on on set when they were filming the kiss for Plato's stepchildren. And I know she wrote about it in a book and we've heard so many stories, but this is so vivid. And the way that she talks about it, she, every step of how Shatner was behaving. I mean, and she does like the best William Shatner imitation 
She does a really, really <laughs> good Shatner voice. It's so funny. And she talks about, and he was so excited to get to kiss her. He was really happy about it. And he's like, I told you I was going to get you. And like all this stuff. And she loved it. She was going along with all of it and, t- and says, I mean, there's horrible parts of it because she talks about how when it came down to, oh my God, are we really going to do this kiss? The director started talking to Shatner and they, and he just didn't, the director didn't talk to Nichelle. He, she said it was like she wasn't even in the room. And at one point she just got up and left and said, let me know when you've worked it out. Oh God. The sixties. Yeah, it's bad stuff, and then it's good stuff, and the suits. And she also says in there that she thinks she's responsible for the expression, the suits, that everybody uses, that she coined that phrase. So it's the detail in that interview is incredible, and I it's it really paints a picture of what it was like on set. Everybody had been sent home except for the crew that was filming and her and Shatner. Um, and she makes Shatner sound honestly like so much fun to work with i have to say so (laughs) um but it's really great and i highly recommend that as well as she talks about representation and she talks about her own personal backstory that she created for uhura that had to do with her parents being in starfleet and being very demanding lots of beautiful stuff in there some stuff she took from her own parents so we'll put up a link and you should definitely go watch all of that and while you're there poke around and look at all the other great stuff they have all of those television Academy things are great. The Rick Berman one is a must watch for sure. Yeah. We've talked about that on the, when I found it, I, we, I brought it up on the podcast because the stories were so interesting. Um, and the Montauban one's great too. Okay. Yeah. So that's it for a shortened news update from the all access Star Trek podcast. We're going to be back next week with a feature length episode with news and an interview really just a discussion with Terry Metalis to talk about Star Trek and maybe a little bit about this thing called Star Trek Picard season three. Knowing us, it might feel like a double feature. (laughs) And (laughs) after that, uh, there'll be two weeks until the first episode of Lower Decks for us to review in the last Friday of August. Yeah. And we'll be in Vegas. Can't wait. See you next time. Thanks for listening.